We, uh, I appreciate the song, uh, Dave. I haven't heard that in a long time. Gentle shepherd, come and lead us. And, and sometimes we just, you know, we, we get so busy in doing so many things. Um, I'm going to try to get you out. We <laughs> Time is really shot here, but I, I want to at least get us started, and then we can always pick up. I have no problem with that. Because it's, it's my goal that you also answer a question. Do you really know Jesus? Oh, well, I'm saying, yeah, I, I know. Do you really, do you really know Jesus? We're going to be looking at John, the 17th chapter, because it's a very profound chapter. If I was going to take you to, um, uh, if we were going to go to seminary, I would take you to John 17 because it will teach you about Christology, Jesus Christ, theology about God, soteriology about salvation. It will take you down the whole gamut. And that's, that's just Jesus Christ getting ready to go to the cross, Calvary. It'll get us. It'll get us straight about the about the Trinity. It'll get us straight about all of these. Just in John 17, it talks about Jesus Christ going to pray. But what happens is here's a here's a tender moment where Jesus Christ permits us to listen to him pray to the Father, and he says, "I want." it to be noted so that you can read it in your quiet times. I want you to hear my heart, and I want you to read my words, and I want you to see clearly what I'm saying when it comes down to this. Um, Pete, would you get that sad life? Maybe that might help through your screen, too. Um, and so as we go, let's bow in the word of prayer. Father, as we uh, look at the word this morning, our, our intentions is to go to John 17. We will never understand embracing our oneness in Christ if we don't understand Christ. So, Lord, help us to understand Christ, understand his heart, understand his agenda, understand how much he loves us and how what he went through in the process. Help us to just see his prayer, feel his prayer. See his heart. Then we can look at each other and ask the question, are we one? Do we really see each other through Christ's eyes or through our own agenda? Lead and guide us, Lord, as, as we go through this. In Jesus' name we pray and all the saints said, amen. Embracing our oneness in Christ, part one. I'm using the year, yearly theme to just start this thing off, to jumpstart this, um, my messages. But as we go, we start off with a verse. I just kind of pulled out verse 11. We eventually get there. It says, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, 
that they may be one even as we are what? One. That's his prayer. I want you to do more than just read the prayer or know the, read the verse. I want you to feel the verse. I want you to know the verse. If you miss this, folks, you're missing out on the very basic components of Christianity and what this whole thing is all about. We miss it. So, so in our uh, uh, introduction, that's what I was saying. Are we one? And then we said that the, uh, the positive response, the next question would be how. And then I asked the question to the negative response. The next question would be why. Our oneness greatly depends on our understanding and embracing the foundational truths of God's word. Just because we're in the same ship, as I said, does not make us one. It just means that we're on the same ship. Just because you're on the police, you're in the police force, does not mean that you're one. You're just in the police force. I like the word. Uh, they like the word team, but team does not measure up because see, the word team has three components. The word team has what you have: the Conrads, you have the constituents, and then you have the confidence. The, the Conrads are those who are on the team, and they're on the team so they can make the money and everything else. And so I'm on the team. I wear the T-shirt and everything else. But, but if you offend me, I, I'm off the team. And I'll go to another team. You know, we're winning. Oh, everybody get everybody get the ring and everything else. I'm on the team because we get the ring. You see, the constituents is I'm on the team because I like the coach. And so although we go down, we might not make it this year, but I like the coach because, because I like the coach, then that's why I'm on the team. And but if the coach goes, I goes. I will go. The confidant is, I love the team. I, I love what it's all about. Whether we're down and out, whether we're like the Bears this year or, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the, you know, whatever the case may be, I'll never, I'll never, I'll never stop being. I'll still wear my bear, bear cap, regardless of how people wear their laughing at me and point their fingers. Go ahead and laugh. A cup fan said, "Oh, don't worry. They, they laughed at us too for years until we got a ring. See, because they like winners. But see, I'm a player." And being a player means I understand what the game is and whether we're down or out, we go and play the game. We have our game plan together. And so now that we're winners, whether we win or lose next year, it does not matter. I'll still be a cub. And Jesus Christ was saying, Lord, I'm praying right now, Father. I'm praying for these individuals that as I leave here, I want them to understand it's not because whether it's two or three, whether there's a lot of folks or a few folks, it's not the number of people who buys in, who talks again. The whole idea is Jesus Christ. He's the one. It's not whether people like you or dislike you. He's the one. Since when is it about you? Remember what Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life that I now live in the flesh is by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the idea. So I aim 
to reinforce our concept of the oneness we have in Christ that is unbreakable, uh, an unbreakable bond that exists with a high level of accountability. This high level of accountability means what? As far as Don Rackett is concerned. I have no grounds, no right whatsoever to dislike, hate, or anything like that. You as a brother or sister in the Lord at any time. None. None. Because my response from you will always be from the position of Christ. Not Don Rackett. Not from the flesh, as we were looking at the spirit, remember, in the flesh. It's not from the, of the flesh, but from the new man. And the new man, love loves all times. Because you'll find that there's sometimes people will show enough mess up and you'll write them off and they make a tremendous turnaround and they're never forgiven for what they have done. Their past. In the book of Judges, Jether, all of the, the mess in his life, the baggage. And so, thinking it through, when Jesus prays, things inevitably happens. I'll outline. Don't worry, we're not going to do all of them. One, what is it? Second, prayer concerning empowerment. Three, prayer concerning the principles of eternal life. Four, prayer concerning completion. Each one of those have tremendous things here. Now understand now, we're looking at this. Jesus now is not teaching us anything. Jesus now is talking to the Father, and he's sharing with the Father because now he's getting ready to go to the cross of Calvary. Prayer concerning sacrifice. Here's the scripture. When Jesus has spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. What? <laughs> Have you read that? Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. What's going on here? What Jesus Christ is talking about at this point is, Father, here's the time. The only way that I can glorify, glorify me now, and the way that that is happening is that I must go to the cross of Calvary. Now, understand, this is in the Garden of Gethsemane. I must go to the cross of Calvary, and I will die on the cross of Calvary. I will be a mass of bloody flesh. They will pluck my beard and they will tear out my hair and they will do all of these things. As a matter of fact, Isaiah says that you no one will be highly, they won't be able to highly recognize me on that cross. Glorify me. And let then may they see, may they see that what I look like is the very expression of your love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and here's what he looks like on the cross of Calvary for you and me. He says, I'm ready to be that now. Glorify me. 
I'm ready to take all of the beatings. I'm ready to be beaten beyond recognition. I'm ready to go through all of that. My disciples running in a way, total rejection. I'm ready that when I do get on the cross, you're going to take all of the sins of the whole world and after they have done all this to me, impale it on me. He says, that's how you will glorify me. He says, and in turn, as you do that, I will glorify you because no one can ever say God doesn't love me. If you ever say that God doesn't love you, I will say you are alive. We were growing up, one guy, he couldn't quite get his words out, so he said, you're a soup-de-soup lie. I know I could figure out what the soup-de-soup means, but he, he just tried to explain the, the extent of it. He says, you're a soup-de-soup lie. Whenever you have a prayer, the intensity, I want you to see the intensity of his prayer. That's just verse 1. The intensity of his prayer of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for you and for me. As we step back and make a comparison, there's a picture of two gardens. The Garden of Eden is where Adam stood condemned and left with sin affecting the whole world. He had to offer sacrifice that only covered our sins. Jesus had to go to another garden, but right now it's a garden of, of, uh, the Garden of um, of Eden, here where God had blessed man and everything else, Adam sinned and, and blamed the woman and everything else. He wouldn't take any blame. He wouldn't take any, he wasn't willing to take any punishment. He's banished from the garden. Whereas by one man's sin, and sin covered the whole world. Here comes the other. So Jesus says, let me do this now. <laughs> And he walks into another garden. Does not have all the fruit, but it's, it's the Garden of Eden. And here, as he's in the Garden of Eden where Jesus was obedient and left the garden sinless, he was ready to be lifted up as a sacrifice for the whole world. No more sacrifices. God will be totally satisfied. One, God was saying, don't let Adam back into this garden. Don't let him near the fruits. The other, God opens the way through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, Father, this is the essence of my prayer in the garden. This is me. I'm ready to do this now. Prayer concerning empowerment. We'll end on this one. And we'll pick it up. Here's the scripture. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom have, uh, you have given. N notice where eternal life is given? Look, to all whom you have given. See the word? To all whom you what? Have given. Everyone who have eternal life is because God gave you and Christ died for your sins. No man comes unto me except the Father draws him, and I give unto him what? Eternal life. He says, so he says, since you have given him authority, 
See, he's coming down as a, uh, as a, as a, as a servant. He says, since, since you have given him, he's referring to himself, since you have given me the authority, he says, I'm, 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 I'm thanking you now for this power. Now, notice where it, it picks up. The permission over all, the, that's parameter, all. Precision, whom you have given. Consider what our Lord said to his disciples. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Matthew 28, 17. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, here it goes. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. You got that? Remember what his prayer was back in the Garden of, uh, of, uh, Garden of Gethsemane? The authority. Then he could, now that he had risen from the dead, he says, all authority has been given to me. He says, now I want you to go. All the power. And so then when somebody put down my Jesus, you don't let somebody use Jesus' name flippantly. You wouldn't let them say your mother's name flippantly, I hope. Or someone you love dearly. I remember growing up, don't, don't you say your mama. Those are fighting words. You can say your brother, no problem. Your sister. Yeah, okay. Yeah, she did look a little. No. <laughs> you can go all the way down. Your uncle. I don't know your uncle. Your father. They, okay, well, no, dad, he's, he's still getting it together. But oh, when you say your mama, now that's when they drop the mic. <laughs> I mean, now, now they're saying we are on. You said something that I treasure. You talked about someone I love. How do you feel when they use our Jesus name? I'll end on this note and then we'll, we'll pick it up next week. I'm not in a rush. With this, uh, with this Kilroy thing, um, I used to use Jesus' name, and it really had people laughing. I knew where to place it. And when I placed it in a very special spot, folks would laugh so hard, they would scream and beat the table. I could have said anything else, but when I said Jesus, and I put him in that context, they laughed at his name, and they would have never laughed at his name had I never brought it up. And I forgot what moment it was, but the Lord laid on my heart. You see what they're doing to me now? And you're preaching Jesus? And I broke my heart. And I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I've been using your name so flippantly. When you've gone through all of this for, for me, 
And I'm going to throw your name down and other folks will just laugh. And it has, and I have, I have just ripped the very soul out of it and, and just used it for anything. It's not, it does not have any salt that would flavor anything. It becomes a joke, a byword. Yet Jesus is praying for us. First he starts praying to the Father, and this is what he's praying now. He's praying concerning his, about, about the power. He's saying, Lord, the authority that you have given me. Oh, he's going to start praying for us a little bit later. <laughs> I just want to let you see his, his heart as he's praying for us. The next time Satan tempts you or the flesh tempts tempt you to say something funny about Jesus, then the spirit man should say, no. I dropped the mic on this one. Don't play with me in that area. He's too special. So as we close this morning, I've been very patient. I laid a lot on you this morning. Um, I, w I want you to read John 17. My prayer is that God begin to speak to your heart as you begin, as you see Jesus lay his heart out. And you know what he said to, you know what he said to the disciples? What? <laughs> couldn't you have, couldn't you have prayed with me for an hour? But you see, they fell asleep. Then finally he said, sleep on. <laughs> the enemies have come. Sleep on. My prayer. Do you know him? You, you, you ask yourself, do I really know him? Really? Do the things I say, the things I think, and the things I do reflect that I know him? I'm not expecting you right now to walk out of here perfect. You're in a position of being. You're positioned perfectly now to get us to start thinking and acting according to our position. And the God's been speaking to your heart that you're falling short of that even this week. I'd like to pray for you. Would you just please stand? That's, that's me. It's me, Lord, standing in a need of prayer. To let God speak to your heart as I pray. Any others? It's only through your oneness with Christ. God's not looking for a thousand people. Just one seed can make a difference in the life of thousands. Father God, thank you for our time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for what we have read so far. And the question is, are we embracing your word? Are we embracing your, your prayer? You're laying out your heart to the Father, and you permitted us to, um, 
to read it, to sense what's going on. Because you want us to know the Father, to know you, Lord Jesus. So dear Lord, as we go through this time, we just pray that even the ones who are standing, that we live lives that's sensitive to your spirit. And anything that goes against your word, we immediately cast down and say, not in this body, not in this mind, will it be to tolerated. Thank you for what you're going to do. And if there's one that really do not know Jesus as their personal Savior, I pray that they come to know Christ as Savior, admitting that they're a sinner, that they can't save themselves, and that you accomplished it by your death, burial, and resurrection, by the shedding of your blood that washed away all sins. Lord, help them to ask you to come into their lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints said, amen.